Hello, everyone. Hi, Bree. Hi, Anthony. My name's Anthony. And I'm Bree. And this is the Review Podcast. We're Coming to you here. live from our little makeshift studio with our dinos back in the game over here. Dinos are back. We did Jurassic Park, then we did some Halloweens, and now we're back doing The Lost World. One of my favorite books to it's it's a gnarly, there are some gruesome deaths in The Lost World, the novel. Yeah, well, the novel, like you've been telling me, the novel and the movie are like two completely separate entities. Yeah, there's, essentially, I would say they they very loosely they both take place on Isla Sorna, and that's pretty much that's. I mean, that the, the Tyrannosaur baby taking that, and that is that from the novel. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, other than that, like really not much of the same so before we get started brie i don't know if i asked you this on the last jurassic park one i think i might have forgot to ask you the question the questions of all questions the halloween ones i've been asking you all the time what scares you this one i want to ask what thrills you what thrills me what's exciting to you what's exciting to me so one of the most exciting things and this is because i'm like a I'm a teacher. I'm a nerd. Learning something new. Like yeah. something you've never learned. Like there was some research I did on some of the dinosaurs for this one where like you learn stuff that's new. Um, I mean, I turned to you during the movie and I was like, you know what? Like the more I research the dinosaurs, because I want to give you a little background on each dinosaur. I want to make sure I have like all my dinosaur knowledge. So I pat down. I'm like, you know, for being a movie called Jurassic Park, like nearly all of the like the dinosaurs are from the cretaceous period and not the jurassic period but i guess the name wouldn't be as like cretaceous park yeah (laughs) but they did camp crustaceous right yes like on netflix there's that show where we have not watched it but my nephew watches it but we were kind of watching it when we were over at your brother's kind of intense i was like this is really like dark because like people die and that's just a kid for it's a show for kids it's a cartoon it's oh like, and people he freaking die he loves it my nephew yeah. and i were gonna be like super close once he's like a little bit older and i can like take him to like all the dinosaur stuff like i like to go to dino boy we're gonna have a lot of fun it's yeah. just me because you know i hope my kid loves dinosaurs as much as i love dinosaurs like my nephew loves dinosaurs which is really exciting for me i mean dinosaurs are cool i, I said this on the last jurassic park podcast where it was like I don't, I've never met anybody that doesn't think dinosaurs are cool. Everybody thinks dinosaurs are cool. Whether you think dinosaurs are cool or not, dinosaurs, dinosaurs are, are cool. cool. I don't know if people are obsessed with dinosaurs with to the extent where like I am. Like I'm gonna. I I'm, mean, look at our like I'm at our gr- desk here. I'm a grown adult. Yeah. And I'm obsessed with dinosaurs. I love learning new things about dinosaurs. I don't teach dinosaurs in first grade but i teach you know what i mean like it's not part of our curriculum but like i teach oh we all do that as dinosaurs like it's not part of your curriculum but you still like talk about it like i talk movies all the time i talk about sharks too because like i have a i have a back tattoo my back tattoo is a shark and the kids can sometimes see it and like they ask questions about it i'm like well it's a it's a tiger shark like i'll go into like what a tiger shark is and like like all different types of sharks we talk about how like most sharks like they're not out there and they're not 
trying to get people to mistaken identity most of the time. Why is it mistaken identity? We've gone over this in first grade, so the kids know. Maybe like, we should watch Jaws one day. That'd ooh, be cool. that would be a Spielberg. good one. We're on a Spielberg kick. <laughs> I mean, recently. Who's the director of photography, though? It's not Dean Cunley. <laughs> so we, I, I learned this. Speaking of learning new things, um, since we've been doing all of these Halloween movies, I told Bree as I was doing my little bit of research on Jurassic Park, uh, the director of photography, the DP of Jurassic Park, Jurassic Park 2, Halloween, Halloween 2, and Halloween 3 is one guy. It's the same guy. It's Dean Cunley. And... Uh, while I don't think Dean Cunley was the DP for f Halloween 4, 5, 6, a majority of the movies that we've been reviewing thus far on the pod got the same guy doing cinematography. Dean Cunley is the man, the legend. It's a cool dude. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know much about him other than he did these movies. I mean, they're well done. So I wanted to just go over, like, the book is an entirely different piece um, of media than the movie so i recommend like if you have the opportunity you like to read you and you want the opportunity to read this the book it's very different um the characters are different they add characters in the movie and they take away some of the characters one of the biggest differences is that there are two kids that stow away um in the book and they are lab assistants to the doctor that goes to the island first. I mean, it's not Sarah who goes they to the island. They mix the role of those kids together to they, create one mega kid. Well, in the, movie. the two kids' names are Kelly and RB, and they keep Kelly. They keep. Is it RB or RB like RB like R dot B? A R B Y. No, R dot B. <laughs> Rbs. His name is RB Benton. So okay. he's like, they're two like lab assistants, but kid lab assistants. Heir to the Arby's throne. Um, and they kind of, they have no relation to anybody. They're just lab assistants, like kid lab assistants. Um, but then they get rid of that. They keep the name Kelly, but they make Kelly Dr. Malcolm's daughter. Right. Um, they add Nick Van Owen. He's Played a new person. By, uh, Vince Vaughn, who... Upon my reviewing of this movie, which I haven't seen The Lost World since I was a kid, I was like, huh, Vince Vaughn's in this movie? That's kind of interesting. I wouldn't think of Vince Vaughn as an action star, but interesting nonetheless. Yeah, so Levine is like the main, the person um, on who rushes the island before the government discover, discovers it. It's not, no one sends him there. He goes there, um, and then he takes... Um, Malcolm takes a rescue team to rescue the this doctor, and it's Eddie Carr, which is the same from our like our thing. He takes Doc Thorne, and that's he's not in there. They get rid of Doc Thorne, um, and they replace him with um, Nick Von Owen, and then they have the two stowaways. And then the main villain in the book is Biosyn from the first movie and book who try to take... Biosyn's not in the first movie, though. Yes, it is. It's the rival company that oh, employs yeah. okay. Nedry to steal the 15 yeah. embryos. Okay, that makes sense. I for completely so forgot about that. So Levine is at work for in, like going to explore in the InGen complex. Meanwhile, Biosyn is trying to... They find out about the island, and they go to try to steal live eggs because they want the... 
they want the dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Um, Biosins is the group they find, like, they have a biologist, and then former girlfriend is Sarah. Sarah. Harding. So she's part of the Biosyn team. They kind of get rid of the whole Biosyn being the evil one. Um, there's more like... Biosyn isn't in this movie. Yeah, it's not in here at all. Um, and it kind of like... It still has the T-Rex parents finding the kid and that being their main thing, but it has more vo- more Velociraptor deaths and more interesting Velociraptor deaths. Um, so... And they miss the helicopter at the end and they have to go to a boat okay um and And is that where they get the whole like the t-rex is on the boat or is that not in the book at all that's not in the book at all like there is no san diego take because the ingen is the villain in the movie yeah biosyn just there to get the eggs like they aren't they didn't want to grab live animals they were there to get infant animals to raise easier to transport so it's a very different story so it's important if you're going to go in and I, I'm a big person who watched the movies before reading the books. But then as I became an adult, I was like, I'm going to pick up the books. I'm going to read because obviously when I was like first introduced to the series, I could not read these books. <laughs> um, now that I'm an adult, I can read these books. Felt like I think I read all the books like so quickly because I was just so into it. But if you're going in, there's lots of similarities in the first book and the first movie, but then there's like almost nothing mm-hmm. with the second book. So yeah. let's get into I'm gonna, it. I'm going to interrupt you for a second just to let our viewers and our listeners know what's going on behind the scenes right so now. So we have a little brat. Yeah, we have a little brat that's interrupting our pod right now. Kaido um, was laying and being very good. Uh, he's our little puppy, little seventh-month-old puppy, and he was being very good during our watch of the movie. And now he is <laughs> taking this rubber ball that he has and dropping it very loudly in the background. And he keeps dropping it under the table where all of our wires are. So I, if you saw me in the video modem, get off mic for a second and go under the table. It's because I was getting his ball for him, and he keeps doing that. He keeps rolling under the table. But you know, we'll deal with it. I mean, I'm going to hold on to it and just like play along with him a little bit so yeah. that he doesn't disturb us. So before we go into watching this movie, I made a treat, one of Bree's treats. I would say, Bree, this is probably my favorite treat that you've done. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. And it's so easy. So mm-hmm. you're going to go to the store. You're going to pick up instant like the like chocolate pudding. Um, you're going to pick up some Oreos. We picked up like the off-brand yeah value corner value corner just like shout out value corner like so we're not getting paid for them from them yet but maybe one day i mean sponsor me value corner yeah. um what their version of an oreo cookie would be a sand a chocolate sandwich cookie and then we picked up a thing of gummy worms i wanted to get some dino gummies yeah. but where we went they're like they're all we out. were on a time crunch and i wasn't going to fancy candy stores to get dino gummies so we chose worms i mean we're making dirt cups yeah, and it's, dirt cups and they're pretty easy so you're gonna take your sandwich cookies you're gonna put them in a bag take a rolling pin you're gonna beat the heck out of them then you're gonna take make the pudding i the pudding takes five minutes to make it's so easy um it says you need a whisk to whisk it i used our milk frother that we got for christmas works 
fantastic. I use that milk frother for everything. Stir my coffee, whisk my eggs, make my whipped cream. Now making pudding. I, I made use eggs it for today. everything. I should have used the frother to make the eggs. It's I so use a fork. Easy. So easy. The frother is the best gift we got for Christmas. I think I would use it the most. Multi-purpose. Yeah. Interesting. I love it. I didn't get the immersion blender that I wanted, but it's it's fine. Um, so you put some of the cookies in the bottom, then you do a layer of the pudding, cookies, layer of the pudding, cookies, and then you're on top of the cookie. So it's cookies, pudding, like worms, worms cookies, pudding, worms, cookies. So that you're digging, like you're digging, if you put the- Like I'm an archeologist. Like you're, if you put the dinosaurs in it, I'm Dr. you're like- Dr. Alan Grant. You're Dr. Alan Grant, like going through the dirt cup. Yeah. We really enjoy these. We ate them during the movie. I did. Yeah. Well, I didn't finish mine. It's in the fridge, but um, we made a little extra to show on the pod and uh, you always be able to see Bree's treats before the pod is released uh, on our Instagram for bonus content, including Bree's treats. You can follow us on Instagram at review underscore pod. Oh, look at that. Kaido is getting a little frustrated that we're not paying attention <laughs> to him. He growled. He growled at mommy. He's like, it's like mommy, play. Okay. Okay. Um, so let's get let's into Let's get it. into it. I'm going to do a little introduction here. So we are talking The Lost World, Jurassic Park, aka Jurassic Park 2. It's the sequel to 1993's Jurassic Park. Steven Spielberg came back to direct this. Um, same writer, same cinematographer, used pretty much the same uh, major crew members as the first movie. The only notable absence uh, from this movie, really notable absence, is Michael Crichton. And Brie kind of explained. He was that unhappy a bit with. I think Crichton. So when he found out that they were making a second movie, he was like, "Okay, I'll write a second book." Right and. Like, with the assumption that they were going to use his book as kind of, like, the blueprint. Well, he, he apparently was un, he never wrote a sequel before. And fans were like, we want a sequel, we want a sequel, because they love the movie so much. So he was kind of pressured to write the sequel, and he wrote it, but Steven Spielberg and the writer whose name I can't remember right now, um, they were trying to write the sequel to the movie simultaneously, so they took some uh, notes from... Crichton's sequel with their ideas. But as I said, it's they're vastly different pieces of media. Right. And Crichton, um, according to the stories, is wasn't super happy that they deviated from his book. Understandably. But I'm gonna be honest, like, oh my goodness, is the is the book it's it's hard to get through. There's a lot of like horrible deaths. Is it sto generally storyline wise? Is it better than the movie or is the movie better I than I would the book? say I enjoyed The Lost World a lot as a book. Okay. I, I, I mean, there are moments where, like, it's a page turner. It's, like, really interesting. I think having two kids stow away on the island is interesting. The kids get into situations where Kelly's never really, like, in danger. You know what I mean? Except for the one scene in the tent. Mm -hmm. um, but the kids get in some predicaments, you sure. know? Um, so it's nice. I mean, the kids survive, honestly. That's mm -hmm. the best part about the early Jurassic Park series is kids and women pretty much make it. Um, yeah, pr pretty much. Pretty much. Uh, uh, so this movie's released in 1997. <laughs> oh my God, Kaido is jumping all over Molly. Oh, what a good boy. 
Okay, yeah, you can get down now. <laughs> um, so the movie is released in 1997. This is four years after the release of Jurassic Park 1. Jurassic Park 1 being a huge, huge, huge success. So there's kind of some pressure here to capitalize on that success. Uh, the writer of the movie uh, took fan suggestions while he was writing the movie, including adding more T-Rex and more Velociraptor, as well as adding a Stegosaurus in the movie. Interesting fact about the Stegosaurus is that... Stego fact. The first Stego fact of the day is the, um, like the spikes at the end of its tail were used for defending itself, and then its plates were kind of just for display, attract mates and such. The Stegs. Yeah. So. Steggy boy. So, interesting. I mean, there's a lot of dinosaurs in this one that we did not see in the first one. Um, being that there is a there is an animal we be, if you if not having a good eye for dinosaurs, you would think it's just another Brachiosaurus and it's not. It's something completely different. Mm -hmm. But let, we'll get into it. Yeah. So Spielberg apparently wanted the idea for this movie because he thought that the first movie was about herbivores versus carnivores like the good dinosaurs versus the bad dinosaurs so to speak so he wanted to translate that to humans uh so humans who are hunters aka the big game hunters that we see and the then bad humans the humans that are gatherers those who go to the island to observe and to take pictures and all that stuff that's where we get kind of that general motif i guess for the movie well, let's get started, shall we? Yeah, it opens up with some rich people. They dock their boat on an island. Little the, girl played by Camila Bell. I know. You notice that, too. Yeah. Um, they're rich people vacationing. The, um, the little girl goes off by herself, and she encounters Comsignathus. Um, uh, explain to us what a Comsignathus is. It's a for... tiny meat-eating dinosaur. He's this little guy. He's like this big. He's, they're he's, tiny. He's a um, they travel, though, in groups. It's uh, so like one isn't going to hurt you, but, but a many bunch of them will, will hurt you. And they mostly travel They're together. Like a, it's like a piranha on land, essentially. Um, And it's believed that they were probably scavengers, Um, but these Comsignathus in the movie are like actively hunting. So interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, The girl we're gets on, maimed. We're on, we're on a different island. This time we're on Isla Sorna rather yes. than Isla Nublar. Um, so the little girl gets maimed. She does not die. But um, I don't know if that's ever established, right? Yes, it is. Oh, it is? Yeah. Was I just not paying attention? Yeah. Hammond okay. says the girl's fine, but it oh, costs okay. them quite a bit of money, yeah, and it cost him his position at the company. He lost being the head of InGen because of this incident mm -hmm. at Isla Sorna. So um, I wrote down, don't feed the wildlife. I feel like... Well, yeah, she's trying to feed the wildlife, and she sees this little little dino guy, and I said, so she hears a little rustling, she sees this little CGI dinosaur, and she's just attacked by a bunch of them, like, mm -hmm. a, like a swarm of them, and she says, I'm afraid there isn't enough to go around, and the dinos are like, mm, yeah, you. there is. <laughs> um, so then we get Malcolm riding the subway. Um, people do not believe in Jur that Jurassic Park happened, and that's on purpose. The InGen team has um, really, like, they all signed NDAs 
before entering the park in the first movie. And, and Malcolm broke the yeah. NDA by telling his story about what really happened on the park. But no one else could confirm what happened because they had signed NDAs. Mm -hmm. So he kind of looked crazy and it's implied that he lost a lot of opportunities, including his job at his university. Yeah. Um, the kids are grown up. Um, <laughs> the grandkids are in the movie for like a second. I'm glad they got them back for it. That's like, weird. That's, that was that's like, nice. I don't know, not weird. I thought that they were going to be a bigger part of the story. I don't think they would go anywhere near that island ever I again. I told Bree this, honestly, like with all this dinosaur bullshit that happens on these islands, I would have... If, if I was one of these people that was like, whoa, a dinosaur, and then I go through this horrible experience of dealing with carnivorous dinosaurs, I would have been like, dude, fuck dinosaurs. Like, I don't want to be anywhere near dinosaurs. I don't want to talk about dinosaurs. I don't want to have anything to do with dinosaurs in my life. So Malcolm has broken the NDA. He's talked about it. Again, it's implied that he's lost a lot of opportunities. And he talks with John Hammond, and Hammond talks about Site B. Yes, before that we get the whole, because of Hammond's, the issue with the rich people vacationing, the girl getting hurt on site B, that, one second, I got it. The dog, the dog, man. I'm about to take this away. <laughs> okay, we go back, they talk about, because of the, the kid getting hurt on site B, that now InGen goes to the nephew. So Hammond's lost control of his company. Now his nephew's running um, it. They want to take the dinosaurs from Site B and capitalize them. And then Hammond wants to send a group of people there to create like a living fossil record and document what's there in hopes that it becomes like a, a nature preserve and then no one can take animals off or go on and it's kind of just left alone. The nephew wants to make up money. Yeah, so Site B in um, Isla Sorna is, as Hammond explains, where they bred the dinosaurs and they kind of just let them roam around and be free and just like well, without he, fencing. and. Well, he explains like they... Site B is where they bred them, and then they let them, like, interact with each other. But then they also, like, they used to have, like, a research facility at Site B, but after that hurricane, after what happened on Site A, they kind of deserted mm. the island and kind of let nature... And he, yeah. he says the well, life, you know, finds a way. As you said it so bluntly, life finds a way. Yeah, so... So life finds a way. And then Malcolm asks about the enzyme thing from the first lysine. movie. Lysine. Lysine. So they, they have an, a lack of that enzyme. And, and if that's they why. If they don't get it, it can kill them, within right? Within like five days, they yeah. would die. He's like, what about that? And it's like, well, they're surviving without it. And we're going to find out later how they're surviving without it. And mm -hmm. we do find out they are getting lysine. We just didn't know about it. Um, and then Malcolm says, he goes, Hammond says like, oh, like we're not making the same mistakes. And he goes, yeah, you're making all new mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> and so, then uh, he talks about the team that he's going to send. He's sending a videographer. Nick, Nick. Van Owen. He's sending a tech guy. Eddie Carr. And he's sending a paleontologist. And he doesn't say who the paleontologist is on right. purpose. So 
I wrote down a little note here. Um, this is just a classic case of business ahead of lives, right? Well, like, Hammond is not. Hammond's not doing it, but the nephew is. Hammond does it in the first movie. He, want, he wants learned, to rush. Yeah, he learned from his mistake. He wants it so that no one can go to this island. Yeah. He said, I've been successfully keeping this island a secret. He's like, but once my nephew took over. I was unable to keep this a secret. Yeah, and so the nephew wants to, again, rush the process of bringing dinosaurs into the public. Differently now, he wants to bring dinosaurs to the mainland in San Diego, to good old US of A. And I just wrote... Bad idea. This whole movie is a bad idea. Every decision made in this movie is a bad idea. Like Jurassic Park 1, to have a park full of dinosaurs and rush it is a bad idea. But to have to have a park of dinosaurs like isn't a terrible idea from the get go. Like if you gave it time, it'd probably be okay. This movie, bring the dinosaurs to San Diego, horrible idea. Horrible. Everybody go to this island where the dinosaurs are roaming around free and you don't know what to expect. Even worse idea. And then we find out that the paleontologist that they send um, is Sarah Harding. Um, his girlfriend, his GF, his, his GF, um, is who they sent. Um, but Hammond, so Hammond manipulates Malcolm because Malcolm is like, hell no, I'm not going. And I'm contacting every single one that well, you said is going to be on the team. And to I'm be, telling him not to, be to go. To be fair, Sarah Harding searched out him. Sarah wanted to go. Sarah wanted to go. Malcolm doesn't, but Hammond gets Malcolm to go by saying Sarah's already on the island. Yeah, he's like, I'm now it's become a rescue mission and, and he's gonna go. I think get Hammond her. I think Hammond does manipulate a little bit here. Like Hammond isn't totally a good guy in this movie. I don't think he's a good guy in the first movie. I think he's a Again, like we had that conversation with the first Jurassic Park, standing on the shoulders of the people who did the real accomplishments and trying to rush this without looking at the science. And then this movie, he backtracks from that, but still manipulates uh, Jeff Goldblum's character to go on this island that he so really does not want to go to and might have traumatic Oh, there's know, no doubt in my with. mind that like almost everyone who went has PTSD so we have to go rescue Sarah. So now it turns into a rescue mission. Um, while Malcolm thinks it's a rescue mission, we know Sarah went there by herself, like under her own, like she wanted to go. So it's unsure if she's going to be receptive to this rescue mission. Um, then we have Malcolm's daughter is introduced, um, Kelly. Yeah. And I was... A little confused because Kelly is played by a black actress and Jeff Goldblum is not black. So it's to assume that yeah. his, whoever it's, that's what I, I made the assumption child. I was like the mother has to be has to be black. They even make note of that in the the movie. They're like, I some they said something along the lines I don't of see like, the resemblance. I don't see the resemblance. And I was like, oh yeah, well at least they acknowledge it, I guess. But um, I mean. What to me, like it didn't matter, I guess. Like, I was totally accepting of, yeah, that's the his fact daughter. That that's Let's his daughter. On. Let's like, move on. Yeah, <laughs> and the daughter talks about, like, um, like she doesn't want to stay with this lady who he wants to put her up with. Um, she's like, Why can't I stay with Sarah? So well, I wrote down a quote that she says, um, it's Malcolm's kid, she, you know, says of the babysitter, 
Um, she doesn't even have Sega. Like a Sega Genesis. <laughs> I was like, what a 1997 thing to say. She doesn't even have Sega. <laughs> she didn't want to stay with the babysitter. She wanted to hang out with Sarah, but he's like, Sarah's out of town, not telling Kelly that they're actually going to rescue um, Sarah. And he kind of says, you can't come with. But he doesn't want to tell her why she can't come with. Like, nobody, he doesn't want to say anything about dinosaurs. Yeah. Um, then he talks about, oh, you you want to go to your gymnastics meet? And that's when she says, I was cut from the team, Dad. Nice to know that you, like, care and pay attention. So, like, Malcolm's, so he's not a bad dad, but he's kind of a bad dad. Um, like, Because mom is not so great. Because he kind of says something. He takes his anger out on the kid for a second. He's like, well, I'm sorry that your mom dropped you off before, like, without any. Before running to Paris. And running to Paris. And it's like, you can be mad at your co-parent. But, like, don't be mad at your co-parent in front of your child because that doesn't help relationships. Mm -hmm. um, Co-parenting is hard. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. Then we get she stows well, away. Yeah, the kid stows away inside of, like, the truck or the lab. The trailer. The trailer. Yeah. She stows away. Not and a good like, idea. It's not a good idea. Like, what do you expect is going to happen when you stow away after your dad tells you not to come to this, like, whatever country that we're going to that you're just like hey dad and he's gonna be like cool with it like, no, no he's she's gonna, gonna be, be really mad. really mad at you and they take a boat to isla sorna and um the boat guy will not stay he's like i will not dock at this island they call this group of island the five deaths no one like no one comes back from these islands alive he's not gonna stay if you want to get a hold of me you call me it'll take two hours i'll be here Mm -hmm. which i'm like two hours like you're really docked far away from this what if they're in trouble like what if you're yeah. in trouble so i was like thanks but no thanks guy like that doesn't help me at all i might as well swim yeah and they get off the boat so it's no at... you might as well not swim because if they're cloning all these dinosaurs like you don't know what's under that water it could be a, a leoplerodon down and, there and not to spoil anything but then we get into the <clears throat> third one and we know the stegosaurus swims yeah. Uh, oh, no, Spinosaurus. Spinosaurus swims. We'll get there we'll get, in, in we'll Jurassic get Park 3, but I don't know what if there's a Leoplerodon down there or something. <laughs> um, so they go off on... So it's Eddie, it's Owen, it's Malcolm. They're going off. They're being so loud. They're, like, screaming, Sarah, Sarah. Yeah, on the island full of dangerous dinosaurs y'all are gonna scream super loud and make a lot of noise just so you can attract the velociraptors potentially that's a bad idea my friend um and then the first dinosaur we encounter on the islands the stegosaurus um malcolm's over it like he no malcolm's like i don't give a shit about dinosaurs anymore like i'm here to get the girl and i'm here to get the f out of here and so over dinosaurs and like sarah we meet sarah and she's amazing julianne moore she's just in awe like she's like we have to be quiet we're not going to disturb any of these creatures we're here to observe and interact as minimally as possible she makes this note when she's talking to malcolm about how she read somewhere from this one scientist that said that t-rexes don't care, care about their young they that, like give birth and f off yeah um so she makes this big like speech about how she is seeking to prove that that is untrue that t-rex do, does care about their young and they will protect their young and they do and their young stay with them mm -hmm. um, what i like about 
and I noticed this in the last Jurassic Park, where every time they mention these like details like that, it always comes back later on. So like it makes the dialogue purposeful. Some, some would say it would it would make the dialogue cliche mm -hmm. that it if you're if you're being we mentioned contrarianism. You're, like people don't like Jurassic Park just because everyone else likes Jurassic Park, right? So some would say that might be bad dialogue because you're insinuating that your audience might be dumb because they wouldn't understand whatever you're talking about. But when I, I think that's actually smart dialogue to put in there. It's that trope like we talked about in the last Jurassic Park episode, the Chekhov's gun. You introduce something so that it comes back later on in the story. It makes like what you said, the dialogue is purposeful. Yeah. It makes everything matter in the dialogue. You, and these characters aren't saying things to say them. They're saying things and they have meaning. Sarah's main reason for going to the island is to see how dinosaurs behave with their young like, mm -hmm. that's the only reason she's really there. She wants to know how they interact with their young. And she makes that notice note when she's observing the Stegosaurus. And, you know, she talks about, like, the how, there's a note where she talks about the lysine. So here's where we get, why haven't these dinosaurs died after five days if they're supposed to have died if they don't get the lysine supplements? Well, the plants that the herbivores eat are high in lysine. The carnivores eat the herbivores, therefore they get their lysine, and no one dies. Life uh, finds, finds a way. way. So I, I made a note here that um, the Jurassic Park movies are very good about showing beauty and horror. So it's like you get these scenes where the scientists are so in awe of the dinosaurs. You get to, you get to pet the little stego baby, and you get to interact with the brachiosaurus but we see and it's very cool like you can put yourself in the shoes of those scientists and say oh man if i saw a dinosaur they'd be so freaking sweet and be like awe-inspiring it'd be amazing but then you get the flip side of that it's when terrifying it's also like a hugely terrifying experience where you could get ripped in half by a t-rex or pounced on by a velociraptor and it turns very quickly from beauty to horror if you're if you're going about it the wrong way and i he, i made this note to you um oh he he posed the same I posed question. This question to you because we talked about this on the first jurassic park episode where i said brie if you had the opportunity if you were a paleontologist even if you were just brie right it, now i would to, go if you would go to jurassic park would you go and she said 100 mm -hmm. percent. i know the dangers that are involved i would go so i pose this question to you now in site B, where there are no fences, this isn't a park, this is free roam dinosaur land. Like, you don't know what the hell's out there. You still going to this this area? I'm going. I think that's a dumb idea. <laughs> I'm going. I think that's Well, she not explains smart. that the outer rim of the island is, is occupied by the herbivores, and then the carnivores stick to the interior of the island. As long as I stick to where I know, stay downwind, talk, like... But Sarah's, I know you. I know you, Sarah's and I know you'd be like, "I want to see a raptor." I, but I would, I would care about my survival. Like, I love raptors. I think they're very interesting, especially the ones in here that are not, they're not the velociraptor that exists within the fossil records. But 
it's so fascinating, so awesome that, you know, like I would be completely fine if the only animal that I encountered on my entire trip was a stegosaurus. Like I'd be, I'd be fine. What if you could ride one? Um, I don't, considering how aggressive they got when they felt threatened, I don't think I would approach them. I think I would stay back and just take pictures. Yeah. Just like pet the little baby stego. And just be like in awe of like what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I, so. You're not as brave. I'm not as brave. And I don't, I'm not as, I'm not as much of a risk taker. I'd maybe go to the park because obviously like. I know we shouldn't trust the security system at the park, but I probably would trust the security system at the park. The island, Island B, I, Isla Sorna, where it's just free roam dinosaur land, I don't think that I would have the cojones to I to pose go. this question to you. Sure. Would you go to a wildlife reserve that was free roam? Depending on the animals that are it's there. It's just like the African savanna. If, if it's like all the animals it's all the animals yeah hyenas lions zebra drabs yeah i don't know i don't know if i'm that i i did go to a wildlife preserve one time in texas where i saw a giraffe i remember the giraffe because it was like you get to drive your car through it and the giraffe comes through like your window and then i like i remember that and like that was cool but that's a giraffe right like if i'm coming into contact with in like a safari or uh, if i'm in one of those like vans without doors and without a, a hood and i come into contact with like hyena or a i would lion, need like, i would be a little eh, i don't know if this is a good idea guys but to get me on one of these islands like with the with the knowledge i have now i would need someone with me i would need like a dr grant or like uh, Sarah Harding to be there with me. Someone who's very knowledgeable. And I think dinosaurs are a completely different story than like a hyena, right? Like a bullet can take down a hyena. I don't know if a singular bullet can take down a T-Rex. We don't know, you know how I mean? hard their, like, their skin is, like how yeah. thick their skin is. I mean, obviously not hard since, spoiler alert, they trank a T-Rex later <laughs> on in the movie with but we two don't, darts. We don't know if that would work. Um, yeah. So... Then we have like this scene where they she's we have Owen he's lighting up a cigarette and Sarah says put that out we don't want to interact we want to we want to make as little imp like thing on this as possible and then Malcolm being the mathematician he's like it's Heisenberg's uncertainty principle like us just being here is disrupting everything mm -hmm. being, and chaos theory yeah he doesn't mention chaos theory nearly no. as much in this movie <laughs> where he's just like i'm here to get the girl i'm here to save my daughter i'm here to get the f out of this island i don't give a toot about dinosaurs i don't give a toot about chaos theory anymore like i saw what happens i'm leaving mm -hmm. and then eddie notices um a fire coming from camp they put it out, um, not with water, with dirt, because they don't want smoke to attract any dinosaurs. And then we find Kelly is here. She's making eggs. And she's making eggs. And they're talking for a little bit, and then we hear helicopters, um, loud, just like a bunch of them. And I wrote, the evil comes. The evil, the evil Because you have the people who are trying to go there and make as little impact as possible we're here to observe we're here to take pictures we're here to preserve and then you have but you have in gen 
the big game hunter and then the people who want to trap these animals. Yeah, so we later see the scene where they're kind of hunting these dinosaurs and they're really just trying to capture them. They're trying to take them down and the big game hunter, I think his name is Roland, right? Roland's like, I'm trying to capture a T-Rex. No, he's like, I want to, he wants to kill a T-Rex. He wants to kill a T-Rex. Like, that's his main goal. And in this, they're driving down a game trail and uh, the nephew's like, let's stop and make camp here and he says this is a game trail do you know what goes on a game trail like predators predators game. hunt yeah. on, on, a, on a game trail he's like if we set up camp here we're easy pickings mm -hmm. we he's like you can set up camp here i'm not gonna set up camp here and they kind of just like go on but during this we're seeing a bunch of dinosaurs running across the screen there's gallimimus is running that's that one from the the first movie that's running in the packs yep. um then we have what looks to be a brachiosaurus it is not it's another long-necked dinosaur and i will butcher the name of this because oh please i have it like the name the scientific name and then the sound out the way scientific to say it. dino community can come after our throats later on just it's say the name mamunchinsaurus 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 it's a long it's a long neck dinosaur. I, I accept it. Thank you. Um then we have another one where I have to take my time to speak it. Once again, the scientific dino community can come for us later. It is the Pachycephalosaurus. Big word. Um they have that that's the one that they kind of corner that has mm -hmm. like the really the nine inch thick skull. Oh, and it tries to that like, headbutt. Like it's gonna headbutt you. Yeah, and it's one of those. It's our bipedal dinosaur. We see a lot of like quadrupeds. Right. This is the first like bipedal one we see. Gallim Other than Gallimimus is oh, bipedal. Oh yeah, I guess you're correct. And T Rex is Look also. Give me my dinosaur knowledge. <laughs> T Rex is also a bipedal. Then we had Amontosaurus. We have Parasaurolophus. That's the one that looks like Ducky from. And before time, the adult version of Ducky. And then that's kind of like who we see running on this game trail. And they catch a lot of different game. They um, they catch a Stegosaurus. They catch um, a uh, Stegosaurus as well. We don't see them capture those two because they're not on the game trail mm -hmm. in that scene. So um, they do in-gen horrible um, worst idea ever. To have yeah, this. Well, their idea is we want to capture the dinosaurs and bring them to the mainland, which we talked about that earlier in the pod. It's a terrible. Well, terrible their whole idea. thing is before Hammond decided to do the island, he had created a park in San Diego and it's pretty much ready to be opened, but he abandoned it and it's just sitting there unused. And the nephew's idea is like, we're not, the island was a bad idea. Let's just bring the dinosaurs to this park one of each dinosaur i don't know who says that and thinks that this is a good idea like at least the island can be contained in quarantine but if you bring them to san diego you just have like i mean animals get loose from zoos right like we, you hear the story once in a while a bear got out of the zoo <laughs> and is like in people's backyards so you open up a giant can of worms for dinosaurs which are depending on the dinosaur much more dangerous than a bear. Well, we see like the like the first team, Team A, 
of the people who are their teammate aka the gatherers according to spielberg the good guys yeah um they go to the camp and they kind of see all these animals in cages and meanwhile we have the game hunter has injured a baby t-rex and is using it as bait Mm -hmm. for the adult t-rexes so that's something to keep in mind as well so the team a gets there they can't believe like they're they're capturing all these animals so they start releasing these animals and the, the animals just wreak havoc on the yeah. camp and you see like they're given like a speech in like a tent and the the <laughs> triceratops goes right through and like knocks people here there and everywhere it's like these mm -hmm. are dangerous animals even the herbivores are not happy. safe they're yeah. not safe these are like giant like creatures that are wild creatures <laughs> I was like, these don't belong in cages, um, and they don't belong Do you think that, okay, on the mainland. I have a question for you. Go, ask away. Let's say we figure out how to clone dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. Same exact scenario happens from Jurassic Park, and same exact thing, like, this is real life. Mm-hmm. In real life, do you think humans would react mm -hmm. in a same way towards dinosaurs that they act in this movie where it's like big game hunters and companies want to oh, I take them I definitely them. think the rich would big game hunt dinosaurs no doubt in my mind the rich the I, rich I could kill just, things I could so for, see it. for I could pleasure I could so see like a Bezos being like I want a picture with a, with a stegosaurus you I know? want a picture of me killing this yeah. like beautiful creature that we can only imagine and I mean I, I see I mean the first image that comes to mind is like the Jimmy John's founder with the dead oh, yeah. lion pa was it Papa John no. no Papa John did something else no bad. it's Jimmy Jimmy John mm -hmm. um, I James remember Jonathan I remember seeing that and I'm like I'm never gonna eat at Jimmy John's again mm -hmm. like I was, it was so upset because I just don't understand big game hunting I don't understand it like these creatures are like meant to be on they're they're like creatures of the you earth were like okay so when that scene was going down of them capturing the the dinosaurs i got upset you got like visibly upset yeah. you're like i hate hearing dinosaurs cry it's, I, like, it's like i hate i hate hearing animals in distress mm -hmm. like i can't do it and like i i'm a meat eater like i eat meat from like from farms like ca cattle and like poultry and stuff and like i tried the whole vegetarian Animals that thing. are i don't want to are they bred for consumption yeah, right but like respectfully we say that like i'm i mean i know that i would love to not be able to eat meat but when i didn't eat meat and when i was a vegetarian i got very sick and um mm -hmm. kind of like forced my hand like doctors recommended i but like continue. we wouldn't go out and eat like i don't know like i know but i don't like, go out and, a horse but i don't go out and like hurt animals i don't go out and capture animals on purpose like it really hurts my heart to hear animals in distress and like i can't watch like nature docs i can't watch like hunting tv shows like i can't do any of that it's because i have so much compassion for even fictional animals where i get like so upset i'm like these animals are just meant here to be beautiful and you're meant to just watch and observe it's like it breaks my heart just like see people capture them i don't even like zoos like <laughs> you didn't like so we went and we watched tiger king when tiger king came out and you were like this is horror you were like in shock you're like this is horrible that people do these to these big cats 
that you uh, straight up abuse these these large animals and you trank them so much and, and like, it's like no wonder why these animals like rip someone's arm off like or you, attack somebody that's what gets me it's They're like supposed to be we mistreat we mistreat animals like wild animals wild animals are not meant for you to keep like they're not meant for you to have as a pet. Like a dog is domesticated. They're domesticated right? over like like thousands of years. Mm -hmm. It took to get dogs domesticated, and our dog is just sitting in his little bed now. Yeah, he calmed down. We brought his bed in the room, <laughs> and he immediately goes sleepy time. Yeah, he just wanted to be by. Oh my god, he's so cute. Um, but like a lion, a tiger, bears, like oh my, oh my, not meant to be captive by humans we're not meant to be feeding them by hand we're not meant to be like in a in a situation where we're in a cage well, with it's them like the whole idea of like joe <clears throat> exotic was like these animals think i'm their friend like they trust me we play together and it's like no, no. that animal gets one opportunity to rip your arm off it's going to do it's that. It's like you treat this animal like garbage. He has no play, no enrichment. He's stuck in a cage. You think about how much space a lion has in the wild, and then you look at the amount of space they have at a, like a zoo or at one of these like wildlife like things. Not a wildlife refuge. So there are animals that if they're bred in captivity, like things, animals that get rescued from those kinds of situations, um, they go to wildlife rescues that are like huge. But those places, those like fun, like those zoos, they're wildlife, private zoos. private zoos, they don't have the facilities to cater to these animals. And these animals, they were, they're not dumb. Mm -hmm. They're, they're their first opportunity. To get you they're gonna mm -hmm. get you they know they're being mistreated yeah this brought up a whole i i just hate the, the a, whole, a whole debate where it's like i don't like sea world like i'm like anti-sea world animal captivity and big game hunting a lot like a, i guess I, i'm I, very anti-captivity i had told you when we watched this movie i'm like i don't know if i have a lot to say about it but i think i do the more i dig deep and the more i you know, dissect is that really, really what this movie is about. Is this movie trying to make like a statement about Susan? So. Like, I'm sorry, I hate SeaWorld. Watch the movie Blackfish. Maybe we'll watch it. I've a never seen Blackfish. Blackfish would be the first view for it, me. It's, it's a hard one for me to watch. Mm -hmm. Cried so heavily when watching. Makes me sad. But it's like, we have to really think about like especially these killer whales going from like the ocean to like a swimming pool sized habitat these animals could live like three times as long in the wild but they die early deaths because they have no enrichment and they usually kill themselves it, it makes me think about the line that you had mentioned previously that malcolm says heisenberg's uncertainty principle right like us being here is disruptive of their environment and it reminds me of like stuff I learned in like fifth grade about ecosystems and niches where it's like you introduce something that's not supposed to be in an ecosystem to the ecosystem and you disrupt everything and the entire thing is forced to change. And I think about that as we as humans build further and further into animal habitats and then we wonder why we have these animals that are in our neighborhoods like coyote problems, deer problems. It's like they were always here. 
you're the one that's in where they live. Mm -hmm. And that's what we really have to think. And I, not that I, when we're, when humans are long gone, animals will still be here. And that's what keeps me going. I mean, once we're gone, they'll have a better place for them to live. And saw a Facebook post today, like a meme <laughs> post where it was like possible Jurassic Park sequel. Three million years in the future, AD, dino scientists find a mosquito with human blood. They clone <laughs> Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> that would be a good clone. That'd be a good sequel, I think. Okay, so we get into it. Um, Owen finds the baby T-Rex. It's it's badly hurt. It's its leg is broken. Um, he grabs it. Worst idea ever. Brings it to the trailer. Um, Sarah is like, what did you do? Like, this is not a good idea. She knows right away. Like, this shouldn't happen. Um, Kelly knows that she's not safe. Kelly's like, she's like, I need to get out of here. She's right like, now. we need to get out. She's like, dad, I need to get out of here. We need to go to the, we need to get up high. And so he, he does what his daughter asked him to do. He takes her up to the hideaway with car. And then we hear once they're up in the hideaway, a T-Rex. You hear the, st the stomping. No, the T-Rex, like, Oh, roar. the roar. Yeah, you hear the roar first. And we know immediately there's a T-Rex on its way. Kelly begs Malcolm to stay. Um, He's like, no. No, but I'll be back. And he's like, I promise. And she's like, you never keep your promises. Um, Because he's a bad dad. Yeah. He goes in, kind of tells them both, like, hey, like, we're. We need to get the F We need out. to get out of here mom's mad mom's here and dad's here yeah so whereas in the first Jurassic park we were dealing with one t-rex now it's a sequel right you got to one-up yourself now we're dealing with two t three t-rex really if you're including the baby and this proves that so, the t-rexes care for their young yeah and so that line of dialogue very quick explanation of why partially why Sarah is there on the island to prove this thing is now coming into fruition and is proved to be correct. And then we have like this big action sequence. So I'm going to kind of like push yeah, through well, it. Well, I got a, I got a couple things like that I noticed out of this action sequence. So the T-Rex, both of them like plow into this mobile lab that they, that they're in, but they don't right away, like try to knock it off the cliff. They get the baby back and then they think that they're fine because they yeah. go off into the woods knowing full well they're going to put their baby back where it's supposed to be. But both mom and, then they want and dad come back to like kind of... Revengers. Yeah, they like... They really... So there's, there's this shot of when the lab tumbles and they're inside the lab and... Goldblum and uh, Sarah and Vince Vaughn's character, they all kind of tumble. And so the lab tumbles and they're walking on kind of the walls of, mm -hmm. of the mobile lab as it's spinning around. And I wrote a note. I'm like, I wonder how they filmed that. And it makes me think of like how they filmed Inception. So there's a scene where Joseph Gordon-Levitt is like walking on the walls. And the way they filmed that was basically that they had a room where it looked like it was spinning, I think. And I don't, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna butcher the explanation of this. Like I have it in my head, but it's really hard to 
to explain maybe we'll get it if we watch inception later but the way it, it was it was essentially a trick with the camera that and mm-hmm. a trick with the way that the set designer set up this room to look like it was spinning but also keep joseph gordon levitt's feet on the ground so to speak i'm butchering this explanation yeah. but it's, everyone out there is like mm. it's like i'm picturing it but i can't explain it i'm this is why i'm not well then they come designer. they come back they kind of like production design they like half of the trailer goes down and we have car comes down from the hide hole he says they're go- they're go- they went back into the like they're gone he's like what do you guys need they're like a rope and they joke like a a big mac and like some fries and uh, apple pie and so he goes to get like a rope to help to help them and he ties it to the car yeah, Ed, Ed, eddie is there, yeah right? eddie car and then they come back again the t-rex's merc eddie that yeah. he gets potentially the worst death i don't know is so this the eddie, worst death of the eddie movie? gets like a horrible death both in the book and in so in the movie the two the t-rexes movie. split eddie in half and then they each eat a half of him is it worse that in the um book he gets ripped down from the high the high hide by the velociraptors and eaten alive while everybody listens i think the movie death is worse <laughs> i think it's worse um, because like they don't the the t-rex they grab his leg at first and then they kind of like throw him up and then one t-rex grabs one half and one t-rex grabs the other and then they tear him in half and eat him yeah it's pretty brutal yeah um then they get out like the whole like lab falls down around them they're all holding on to the rope they climb up they're thankful to be alive but they have nothing left so they have to go get help from the baddies well they get rescued by the baddies yeah so they, team B. yeah they have to work with the meanies um to be able to survive so they're like we have to get um to safety um the bad part is we have to go through the interior of the island and that's where the predators are um we get the that asshole hunter whose name i can't remember he at one point earlier in the film uh insults and tases what's that what's that dinosaur's name um the little guy comsignathus comsignathus yeah yeah he basically was like you're you're little you're little what are you gonna do to me and the one paleontologist they're not afraid of people paleontologist that's with that group says well they've never seen humans so they're not afraid they have no reason to be afraid of humans so he tases the little guy and he says oh well now they do and he ends up getting murked oh yeah so that's another like callback that the movie makes where it's like you set up that he's a dick to this little dino and that's how he dies that's how he dies the little dino and his friends they hunt him essentially they attack him at first and then he like kind of pushes them away and it looks like he scared them away but all the little dinos and their friends they come back at him and they chase him to like a river like a little water area and all we see is him just getting uh hey, we don't even we see don't, the it's death off camera but we hear him getting eaten and then we see the blood trickle down into the water yeah so he he gets murked the big game hunter goes off to try to find him um they make up camp the only people in a tent is kelly and sarah they're in a tent all the other guys are just like sleeping all like next to each other out in the open and the t-rex comes to camp smelling the blood 
on Sarah's jacket. Yeah. Which she has hanging above her in the tent. Which the paleontologist that's with them, he dies because he gets eaten by a T-Rex. But they also kind of explain, too, that the T-Rex keep coming back because... Now, now they have a bigger sense of what their territory is because they they were attacked. Mm -hmm. So now they're being defensive over the territory that they're in. Mm -hmm. Again, when you introduce an element that's not supposed to be in an ecosystem to you're an disrupting ecosystem, everything. you're disrupting it. And now those animals that are in that ecosystem have feel as though they have a responsibility to defend the area that they are in or their territory. Mm -hmm. So... Um, they're trying to be still because we assume that the same principle applies that if you're just still, they won't know you're there. But again, we also know that that's probably not correct. I have something, I have a bone to pick with, well, not a bone to pick, but a comment about that scene where, and rewinding a little bit, that scene where that asshole hunter gets killed by the little dino guys, mm -hmm. who's, I keep butchering. Tom Signathus. Um, I brought up a question to you at this point and i feel like this is a worthy conversational mm -hmm. piece it this goes back to the age-old question would you rather fight one horse-sized duck or 50 duck-sized horses and this is the same scenario it's like would you rather fight a t-rex or would you rather fight a hundred comsignathus i mean either way you get murked either way you get murked but like which way is going to be more horrific I feel like Comsignathus would be just a very a painful, slow death because their bites are not that big. Mm -hmm. I would say it's equivalent to getting bit by like a like a goose or something. A horse sized or a duck sized horse. Yeah. Yeah. So, that so probably like you, can kick, you can kick Comsignathus, but there's so many of them that I don't know if you're going to be able to to fight this fight. My answer to that question is always I would rather fight the horse sized duck because. Uh, one versus 50 versus uh, against one versus one. I have a better shot at one v one, one. one me noob. <laughs> so we get, um, they, they start running from the T-Rex, even though they should, it's like Malcolm says, stop, stop running, stay still, blah, blah, blah. But they get away. Um, some of the people get stepped on. Um, some people get eight. We get, they go run into like a waterfall. Um, we have Owen, we have Sarah, we have Kelly hiding in the waterfall with some other guy. A snake falls down, the other guy freaks out. To which I was like, are there going to be spiders in um, this? And he moves away from the wall and he gets snatched and ate. Well, the T-Rex is licking them, too. Oh, yeah, gross. Little T-Rex tongue. Mm -hmm. um, and then they think the T-Rex is coming back, but it's just Malcolm and he comes. Um... There's a cool shot, too, of them running from the T-Rex because... Well, something we didn't mention before is that though this movie does the same thing as the first one where it's a mixture of animatronic and puppetry with visual effects and CGI, it definitely leans more on CGI. And in the four years between the first one and the second one, the development of computer-generated imagery had gone up so much that they were able to do much more with the cgi so instead of getting these uh animatronic velociraptors now we get full cgi velociraptors we get puppet. and the velociraptors look a lot better in this movie they look a lot better everything looks a lot better in this movie it's not as stunning as yeah. the first movie because you know that the first movie was like the first time anybody was ever seeing some of this stuff 
this one leans a little bit heavily into the uh, visual effects aspect and the CGI aspect, mm-hmm. but it makes for some pretty cool shots. Like you get, you can definitely tell that these actors were acting towards nothing in that regard. But there's like this shot of all of the people from Team B running forward through the woods while the T Rex is behind them and chasing them, and that's like a really cool shot. I thought. Um, Terrifying. Could you yeah. imagine? Could you imagine? Mm-hmm. And people getting stomped because they're right. just not running fast enough because T Rex was quite fast. Mm-hmm. I mean, not as fast as a raptor, though. So then we get the one group running through the tall grass, and we know the tall grass in the interior of the island is home to Velociraptors. Velociraptors. And they like run through raptor territory they're in trouble malcolm realizes they're in raptor territory he tells everyone to run the raptors are kind of busy with the other group of people picking them off so not so much and we get these like cool scenes of like the cg velociraptor that pounces on somebody like we didn't see that in the last one there's a lot of cool stuff um it it's like we're seeing t-rex again and we're seeing velociraptor again for the sequel but they're doing different things with Mm -hmm. them we're seeing things that we didn't see before and then we get, they get to the InGen complex um, on the island. Um, they go to the complex. We call for help. Like, this is our coordinates. We need rescue. There's lots of casualties. Owen does a great job getting that helicopter there, telling them we need help right away. But then we have Malcolm, Kelly, and Sarah have to fight off some velociraptors. Um, we have this cool scene where you gymnastics think, you think it's cool i didn't think gymnastics cool. saves the day kelly like does like some cool like uneven bars kind of so she's stuff. on a bar and you know that thing that gymnastic people do gymnasts do gymnastics, people. <laughs> gymnastics do um gymnasts do where they get on this bar and they use the momentum from the, the jump to grab the bar and swing back and forth like do little flips back and forth and eventually you release from the bar and you do your little flips and you do your she gymnastics just, like, kick the she, velociraptor she, yeah she swings and like drop kicks the velociraptor and this guy flies flies out like, the window 10 and feet and no he just flies right out the window and he lands on like a spike so he dies I don't know. You thought that was cool. I, I mean, thought that was unnecessary. I mean, it's, I it's, thought that threw off a lot of some things in the movie. It's the it, big raptor chase. I can They're suspend able to... my disbelief for velociraptors and CGI dinosaurs. I don't know if I can suspend my disbelief for a 12-year-old girl drop kicking a dinosaur out of a window. Well, then we have at the big game hunter goes to try and take down the T-Rex. Um Owen has taken the bullets out of the gun. So this guy has no choice but to use the tranks. And we find out at this point he does trank the big, the father T-Rex and the father T-Rex is, um, he's captured. He's captured. Um, they, and then they King Kong him. Well, now we're going back to, we get back to the complex. Like they have defended themselves, occupied the velociraptors. They're busy fighting each other now. And they get on the helicopter and they're lifted out. And um, Owen has the bullets in his hand. Is like, at least we know that he's not getting what he wants. But then we get the um, the nephew and the big game hunter with all of the dinosaur, like with the big dinosaur they captured. Well, at the least T-Rex. he's like, at least we got this. 
Yeah, and then they they pull a King Kong where they're just like lock him up, put him on a ship, or bringing him to America. And the big game hunter says he doesn't want anything to do with this anymore. Well, they offer him a job at the San Diego Jurassic Park, and he's like, "Nope, I don't want to be around death anymore." Yeah, and I said that's the smartest yeah, thing anyone his, said in this movie. His like friend died. Mm-hmm. Um, his friend didn't make it. And I think that really that really really got him. So then next we are on the dock in San Diego, and. Malcolm and And Sarah Sarah are trying to meet with Hammond's nephew to try to stop him from introducing the big spectacle or the attraction for Jurassic Park. And the nephew's like, the boat's going to be here in 30 minutes. But then they like call him and they're like, the boat's like right here and it's coming in hot. It's not stopping. It's coming in hot. And we find out like everyone on this boat is pretty much dead. Almost everyone. There are people who are still alive on the boat who got away, who were able to lock it back in. Mm-hmm. Um, but now you have successfully brought a T-Rex to mainland America, and now this T-Rex gets off of the boat and starts rampaging through downtown San Diego. And, like, Sarah says, like, what happened? It's like, well, he was tranked, and it wasn't breathing, so we gave him an ant, like something to counteract it. And she's like, "You gave this dinosaur something to counteract it, not knowing the ramifications of it." She's like, "You pretty much get given like a him a bulldozer mentality. He's going to run stupid. rampant. These are stupid decisions the, that these characters make. You are not like you're not dealing with the average bear. You're dealing mm-hmm. with a freaking T Rex. And she's like an expert. She says it's going to find water, and then what does it need?" next food food and so it goes it finds a swimming pool at a little kid's house he's like there's a dinosaur in the backyard mom and dad are like what's this kid because he doesn't he eats before bed and the nightlight blah blah then they see the dinosaur comes up he has the dog chain yeah, dog does, house does, does the dog die yes yeah, the dog um, dies, unfortunately. and then the kid goes to take a picture not a good idea the flash spooks the spooks T-Rex. him he's he goes rampaging around the town. He eats a couple of different people. We talked about who's going to have to pay for I, this. Yeah, I mentioned that when we watched it. I'm like, okay, so T-Rex gets off the boat, rampages through downtown San Diego, causes a tremendous amount of collateral damage, kills a number of people, kills a dog in the process. Who's who's taking accountability I said for this? InGen. They're, like, they're going to be even more in, in debt. Like, well, people, people need to go to jail. Like, people died, Brie. This is Who a, went to jail for the Jurassic Park incident? Nobody. They just got lawsuit after lawsuit. But that was but people who volunteered in, to go Brie, and they Murica. signed. Like, yeah. People died in Murica. So then Sarah's like, where's the baby? We have no reason to believe it won't do what it did before. Coming after it. So they have the idea. They grab it. They go in a car. They're like, oh, it's not making sounds. But then... The dinosaur stops and like sniffs. He knows the baby is near. Does a chase. We get to the boat. We put the baby down there. Um, they, Malcolm and Sarah, they jump off the boat. They We're put out. they put the baby in like the little cargo hold area where they keep the dinosaurs, and they jump off. They're done. Nephew's still on the boat, wondering what's going on. He goes down to the cargo hold because he wants the baby. He wants to keep He's the baby. He's doing everything in his power to try to preserve the baby. Regardless of the giant ass T Rex that's rampaging, right? The city. And the big T Rex comes in to the the little cargo hold, gets him by the leg, doesn't kill him. He wants the baby to eat 
eat him. He's like, go ahead, baby. And then the baby, you know. Brie gave solid commentary throughout this scene where she was like, I had my dinner already, baby. It is your turn. Yeah, I was like acting as dad. <laughs> Giving the dad like dinosaur voice. Go ahead, go ahead, baby. Go ahead, baby. It's go your turn. Food. I ate already. It's your turn. And then um, Sarah, from a good distance, darts as they close. And then they don't take any like chances this time we get a news broadcast that there the boats on its way back to the island there's tons of boats surrounding it and helicopters so that there's like no chance this happens again and then we kind of hammond hammond says that it is going to be turned into a nature preserve where it's going to go uninterrupted no human interaction on the island um and that's it and that's it Lost World. The Lost World. Does Jeff Gold? What do you think about Jeff Goldblum's performance in this movie? I mean, he did a good job. Like, it's really good. He's really good. I, in this. I think Jeff Goldblum is a really interesting actor, and I wish he was in more stuff because, aside from like Jurassic Park and The Fly, and his appearance in Thor Ragnarok, like I don't know what else this guy is. This and guy's he's in. so fantastic. Like he, I love the way he delivers lines is very natural. And comforting. And comforting. So, like, you can tell, like, he improvises a little bit. Like, that's just the nature of, of his acting. Because he there's a lot of ums and there's a lot of, like, stumbling over yourself. But that's how people talk. And that's how people talk. And it makes it seem really natural where at the beginning when there's the interaction between him and his daughter, daughter is acting and she's acting her butt off. And she's trying to deliver these lines as an actor. And, and it's you very know, noticeable yeah, it's that very... she's just trying to deliver lines. And Jeff Goldblum's trying to have a conversation, you know? And I guess it's just, it shows the difference between, like, a really good actor mm-hmm. and, like, someone who's acting. Yeah. But that's what I noticed a little bit about Jeff Goldblum's performance is that between this movie and the last one, he's definitely a, a more natural in conversation and in dialogue. Uh, and in the performance of those things. Here's what I... I don't know if I disliked this or if I liked it. First movie doesn't really portray Ian Malcolm as an action person. He's... A mathematician. He's a mathematician. But we have established in this movie, he's on a rescue mission. Well, I think what is different is that his character, he as a person has changed. A paleontologist like seeked him out. She wanted to to learn from him. It talks about when he was sick in the hospital in Costa Rica. She came to him and wanted to talk to him. They started dating after that. He's in a relationship with someone who is all about dinosaurs. He had this experience where he has seen how dinosaurs behave. He wants to rescue. He knows so much more about dinosaurs he's more prepared i think he's in survival mode like he has some sort you of may, you mentioned that when he has that scene some where the sort T-Rex of like, like attacks the camp you're like oh he's in survival mode now and like you just want to he knows to to stop moving he's trying to get other people to listen because he's been here before i think we get less mathematician more and survivalist more survivalist um which he, I would say he has the credentials to do because he has experienced mm-hmm. the first Jurassic... He's a different person than when he was when he got on the island in the first or movie. They said in the first one, I brought scientists, you brought a rock star in talking about Ian Malcolm. 
I don't think he's mu he's very rock star. No, he he movie. lost. He's like, not very scientist. He's, no, you, he lost all credibility when he started talking um, about the dinosaurs. I remember it's like he's crazy. But you have to you have to assume, and I'm gonna I'm just gonna assume out of like when I went through a traumatic experience where I was in a fight or flight position, my natural response was I am going to try my best to become strong and know how to fight now mm -hmm. so i have to assume i want to assume that malcolm thought the same i'm gonna maybe I'm, yeah. maybe he's done some survival training since then it kind of gives you back that like your autonomy your like your confidence because you had in that situation in the first movie all your like confidence and your your will was probably stripped away from you it's like a terrifying experience you had no control so to get some of that control back you learn how to be a survivalist mm -hmm. um i think he was more prepared yeah for sure in this movie not just like the mathematician he knew about the dinosaurs this time yeah where in the first one like grant knew to stop moving grant knew but they were dinosaur experts and... but i think he kind of learns he, he from, became a dinosaur expert overnight, essentially. You have to assume, like, there's you, there's maybe a year or so, maybe... No, actually, more than that, because the kids are more grown. Like, a couple years between this. It's a four-year gap. Yeah, so you have to assume, like, he probably spent a lot of time. He's a smart guy. He probably was He's researching. He's a paleontologist, so yeah. I'm sure she's teaching him some stuff. Yeah, so very interesting take on this movie. One of my... I mean... I love dinosaur movies. You know me. Yeah. So um, I'm going to ask you, Brie, as we've wrapped up our discussion, our dissection of this movie, we've talked about a lot of different things. We've really, I think this is, this in Jurassic Park, I don't know, maybe our first discussion about Halloween, but I think we're really starting to dig into like the things that movies have to say and the, the themes that are there and the the deeper discussion that has to be had about why characters make decisions or what these writers and directors are trying to say. When we talk about like these other Halloween movies, they don't the, have the, anything the, to say. They're meaningless sequels, right? Like you're not saying a and lot. And I feel like in the Jurassic Park sequels, we are saying something. We yeah. less with the new ones. Mm -hmm. I mean, but definitely like the first and second the, one, they have things to say. Yeah. And I didn't think it, before we got into this discussion that we're having right now. I didn't think that the the Lost World had a lot to say, but really, the more we I can change your mind, right? brainstorm about it, I guess <laughs> the more you can uh, see why I like these yeah. movies because I'm very passionate. I'm like these movies have something to say. Well, I think the first one had a lot to say about you know the idea of business over lives or not trust, not not listening to the science, wanting to rush. Things stand business people standing on the shoulders of those who do the work, and this one's more interfering with nature. Yes, yeah. and like it's, disturbing it's the natural that ecological order discussion yeah. of are are we disturbing an environment, and what are the consequences of disturbing an mm -hmm. environment like that? What happens when you take the park and bring it to San Francisco? Like what are the ramifications of taking animals out of their habitats and putting them somewhere else? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it does have quite a bit to say. Mm -hmm. 
Brie, does this movie go on your list it of the top does. 100? It does? It You're does right. go on oh, my top 100. Does. I love this movie. Um, I And I love both books, too. I think... Um, as we get to the third movie, um, we'll we'll see if it makes it. I mean, it's been a while since I've seen, maybe a year since I've seen. Mm-hmm. I, I've watched these movies often, so you have to think that my reviews are like my like tenth, eleventh, twelfth, maybe even twentieth review. Yeah. So we'll we'll get into the third one. I mean, the third one also takes place on Isla Sorna. Like, mm-hmm. no, we're not back on the the first island. So we're we're on type B again. I was on the fence about this movie because you know storyline wise, I don't think that it's as interesting. Like the way that the story progresses, I don't think that it's as. Don't you think it has something meaningful to say? I don't think that it's as interesting as the first one. Like I wasn't captivated like I was with the first Mm -hmm. one. But I do think that it has a lot of solid commentary and meaningfulness to say. So if I'm creating a list of movie, like movies that have been what I think is really, really significant, historically significant, has a large impact on, on cinema moving forward, is great in terms of the direction, the cinematography, the screenwriting all that good stuff like just generally has like good things about it and it is significant. I was on the fence about this movie and initially my my thing was no, it's not going to go on the list, but I think our conversation today swayed me and I think I'm going to I'm going to add it to the list. Yay! It's mm-hmm. like it's not going to be as high as the original because the original really was lightning in a bottle as anthony would say mm-hmm. this one i just think it, it has important messages in it yeah and i think when we make this list of like movies you must see like this isn't the like oh it's not it's the not best somewhere... movies of all to like they are really good movies and they but some if you're of, looking deeper than but if you want to have a movie that's it's more than just oh the action in this is really good or but it's like the message that this movie sends is very important and mm-hmm. it's very meaningful and i think it's worth a watch and i think that everyone should watch it yeah and this is a movie that I think everyone should watch. Yeah, so I'm going to add it to the list. I don't know the place. It, I mean, this is only the third movie that mm-hmm. is on both of our lists. Um, and towards the end of the year, we'll, uh, we can revise the list, mm-hmm. maybe see if it's going on the second list or maintains its place on the first one. Um, we can discuss that later on once we get through a, the first year. But um, yeah, I'm confident. I think that I think that this movie deserves a spot. That's awesome. Yeah. So thank you for listening with us. Make sure you follow us on Instagram, review underscore pod. For any bonus content, if you want to see more of the uh, very good. uh, They were delicious. We both had a cup of them. Yeah. And if you want to see any other bonus content regarding, I don't know, maybe I post some stuff about behind the scenes. Maybe we post some stuff about other breach treats that are in consideration. Uh, maybe we post our notes one day uh, for bonus content. That would be fun. Uh, you can you always want to see us. how our brain works when yeah. we're watching the movies. You can always follow us on our Instagram at review underscore pod. Um, you can follow me on Twitter for any updates or if you want to 
I don't really post that much, but if you want to follow me, <laughs> uh, GLDTV1. Um, and then you can see us on YouTube. If you're not watching our video modem, we are Review Podcast on YouTube. Uh, subscribe to us and you can see all the cool stuff that we have on our desk and you can see the breeze treats yum, that she yum. made. And we're on every platform that you can listen to a podcast so yeah. make sure you like follow us on spotify i know i follow us on spotify listen to us I in the car i follow us on apple podcasts because <laughs> that's my modem um so you can get to us on spotify apple Podcasts, google podcasts anywhere where you can get podcasts we're up there uh brie would you like to sign off for us before we sign off um we want you to like come and email us and tell us like what you want us to um review uh for you um we're always looking for ideas we've talked about maybe going through some of steven spielberg's stuff maybe doing disney renaissance if you have an, an, an idea for us please email us at review podcast one at gmail.com gmail yep um i'm brie i'm anthony and this is the review review podcast review review podcast